Hello everyone, and welcome back to the Shuttle Pod. This is episode number 87. This is our TNG premiere episode. <laughs> <laughs> Since TNG was uh, premiered in 1987. Uh, today, however, is October 13th, 2020. I'm Brian Drew, and I am here with Matt Wright. Hey, what's up? And Mr. Jared Whitley. It's good to be back, Brian. It is good to be back. We've been doing various different kinds of shows lately. Kayla, Kayla, the last episode Kayla did with her friend Kara, the mm-hmm. notorious Sub Rosa episode. <laughs> Which she just loves. She loves that. Yeah, and apparently showed up on Jonathan Frakes' radar. He noticed that we were, uh, <laughs> that we did that little yeah, commentary. That's that spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. And our uh, editor in chief, Tony Pascal, mentioned it to Brandon Braga last week, and he was amazed. <laughs> it's one of those things where it shows. That it's better to be terrible than to be mediocre, right? Because if you're terrible, you can reach into the the area of so bad it's good, right? Yep, yep. And and you know that is a well-renowned episode. Like there are there there are those middle episodes that people just are never going to talk about, don't remember, don't care about. But this one, people care about it. That's so true. So true. Better to better to <laughs> shoot high and miss than not. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, there absolutely true. is. There absolutely is. Anyway, so we're back this week. Um, the topic of the show is going to be about the remarks Noah Hawley made uh, recently regarding the ah, Star yes. Trek feature film franchise. But first, before we get to that, we want to remind you guys, in case you've been living in a cave somewhere, that <laughs> that Discovery <laughs> is coming back this week. Uh, returns on Thursday. And we just wanted to remind you that we are not going to be covering it week to week this year like we've done in the past. But our colleagues, Tony and Lori, will be covering it week to week over at the All Access Star Trek pod here at TrekMovie.com. Yes, indeed. So if you're into Discovery, give those guys a listen. Yep, they're entertaining. They will. Matt, you, they were are. On, you, were, you were on the show last week, right? Yep, to talk about all the things and the finale of Lower Decks. And it was good yep. times. Yeah. They're, they're entertaining. So if you don't already listen to them, and you should be, go listen to them. They're entertaining. Yes, absolutely. And the other thing that we wanted to talk about that broke today, yes. which is not exactly earth-shattering news. No, no, I think we've we, all we been kind of was coming. This, right? <laughs> the Star Trek Las Vegas for 2020 the postponed version of it has officially been canceled. No. Um, yeah. It was supposed to, it was, it was originally supposed to be in its normal, you know, August time frame, And then they, you know, rather optimistically pushed it to December mm-hmm. and reality is finally, you know, I, I get it. I get, I get, they wanted to give it. Yeah. No, we understand why. Like, yeah. We totally get it. We like, totally get it. There's all, there's all kinds of reasons contractually and some other things. That yeah. They tried to try, you know, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the whole thing got officially canceled today. And that's one aspect of the news. The other is, is that creation appears to have lost the license. Wait, yeah. what? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. We, we, we were pretty much expecting this. They, they have, yeah. all, remember they've only been operating at the Las Vegas convention. Any other Star Trek convention has not been, actually they quit doing them entirely, but when yes. they were doing them, they were unofficial because they were called like 50 year mission or continuing mission. They right. were not allowed to actually call it that. And that's been that way for a number of years. So we kind of knew right. it was hap- going this direction. Let's just yeah. say. Yeah. And they, they've they been 
there's been, I think, tough negotiations for the past few years. Even yeah, they're, that's, the been, the, they, they that's been the rumor have. mill is they've, they've had, yeah. Yeah. Every few years you hear, oh, they're renegotiating. There's some, you know, some brouhaha. Right. right. Yeah. So it appears that, that at least for the time being, that creation will not have the official license. And Star Trek Las Vegas as a official as an, enti- as an official entity will cease to exist. However, as Matt alluded to, in the past they have, when they haven't had the license, they have worked around it in their own way, and they are going to do a 55-year mission podcast uh, convention, 55-year mission convention. Yep. In the same time frame as they always do in August. Yep. Next year. Back at the Rio. Back at the Rio, um, which I can't say is a thrilling development. Yeah. No, it is not. Because, no, I mean, you know, the the one that was going to happen this December was supposed to be at Harris. It was the while well, the hotel was going to be Harris, and it was going to be at the Caesars Convention Center. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Yeah, so it was going to be quite a you know an upgrade. So it's a little surprising, but I don't know that they you know it's possible Creation simply has contractual obligations to the Rio. You know, so yeah, yeah. Anyway, they, they might, yeah. Yeah, so there is, as of right now, there is no official license, licensee, I should say, right for Star Trek for convention purposes. One would think that that is in the works. Yeah, with somebody, possibly Reed Pop, I would guess, since they're the only other big they're, player I can yeah, think I was of. Yeah, say top they're of kind head. of the other big name. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So the only Reed Pop Star Trek experience I had was Mission New York. <laughs> yeah. Which is a bit and of I a think, misfire, huh? Yeah, I think they were a little overzealous. Yeah. It was, you know, like they were, it was, the Javits was a, rather Jacob Javits Center in New York was a, it was just a too large a site for the kind of convention that, that it was. Yeah. Um, but anyway, those guys are great. I've been to their, any of their shows. Obviously, if you go to like, you know, New York Comic Con or San Diego. <laughs> or the and big always... one, Star Wars Celebration is Reed right, Pop. Right, right. Yeah. Celebration is Reed Pop. Like they, yeah. they know how to throw it. They know how to throw an event generally. They just, they just misjudged in 2016 because you know honestly like if i were them i probably would have made the same mistake right because it's like oh it's the 50th anniversary yep. it should just be bonkers right. and yeah, it wasn't right. quite like it wasn't quite like that yeah no it wasn't terrible or anything but it definitely felt yeah the well ve- the javits too, is haunting, it was the venue right? it was more yeah. the venue than anything yeah. the ve- yeah. javits is simply too big for the kind of you know a star trek convention it, it, that place fills new york comic-con Right, like every inch of it. They fill the entire place, inch every inch of it. But that's but that's not Star Trek. You know, that's Comic-Con. that's the second that's yeah. the second biggest comic convention in the world. Exactly. Star so. Trek, even on even at its peak, I don't think could have like done it. Made a huge dent in the Javits. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so either. Yeah. So, but anyway, that we're going off track. But like, so I wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise us if Reed Pop ends up with the gig. The question will be, of course, one when when, when would they run it? Because. Yeah. The Vegas convention has obviously historically been in August, and they're probably not going to want to compete directly against that. And then yeah, the other yeah. question is where? Where? Yeah, that's the big question, huh? Right. It could. I mean, I guess they could have theirs in, in Vegas. I guess they could, but they better do it. I mean, so one is what? One spring and one summer or something? I mean, one's yeah, maybe. You know, like maybe. I don't know. And then what, where are they going to have it in L.A. Maybe then if it's not that's, Vegas, you know, that's what I would think, just because that makes probably all the CBS since it's going to be officially very corporate. Right. Like this is going to be right. very closely so, tied. So many people's lives easier. 
Right. And that's it. I think it would make them, you know, the corporate, CBS corporate, very happy to be like next door kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. So we'll see. I mean, heck, the big Grand Slams used to be there. So, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So we may not find that out for a while. Obviously, the COVID situation is kind of yeah slowed everything down. Oh, yeah. We're not going to know probably for a while. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that is, that is the current news that we wanted to give you a bit of a chat about and now on to the meat of our program so the noah hawley film project that we had heard about a while ago has apparently been put at the very least on hold for those of you that have been keeping up and i'm guessing most of you have and it sounds like a little deeper than just hold at this point yeah i mean initially we were we were hearing that you know the subject matter itself probably wasn't very good in our covid reality apparently there was some kind of perhaps virus aspect to the story yeah um so they were like yeah it's probably not going to be very uh audiences probably won't be too receptive to that right now um it wasn't going to have any of the main characters in it it was going to be created out of whole cloth which would have been cool yeah New, new characters um but it appears, at least for the time being, that that project is on ice. Yeah. Put him on ice. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Wright with the piece of the action. The piece of the action, yeah. <laughs> so he was on, he did an interview with Collider mm-hmm. a couple of days ago. Where he was mostly talking about Fargo, his television series, and a few other side projects that he has going. And naturally, because Star Trek is Star Trek, it came up. And they were talking about the business aspects of it. And they were talking about the viability of a Star Trek feature in the marketplace these days. Particularly with the whole situation now with COVID, where it seems like a lot of the theatrical releases, at least for the time being, are being shunted. Yeah. onto the streaming i mean just what was it today we found out that the coming to america sequel is going to just be on amazon oh yeah lots paramount, of stuff is happening paramount sold it to because they i guess they don't want to sit on the negative for i don't god knows how long they're going to have to wait so they they yeah they, they, they took the cash in hand and that was that there you go um yeah so the the newest pixar movie is going to go right to disney plus later right you know right i mean something's yeah. going to hold off like the, the bond film is going to wait yeah. yeah we'll see how long but yeah yeah but you know they don't want to yeah. walk away from it they don't want to walk away from a potential billion dollar oh office, yeah like like so. if people wow. can go back to the theaters like and and they can and that's it's kind of too bad is bond is really a uk franchise i mean it's just it's very american too but of course it's a uk franchise and like in the right. uk people can actually go to the theater so they're I, I know that you know that must kind of annoy them that yeah they can't go see it it's like well yeah they should be able to really yeah they absolutely should yeah. anyway they were talking about the inherent challenges and there were already major challenges in the marketplace before COVID. Huh? Yeah. And you know, star Trek as a entertainment entity is popular. It's a moneymaker, but it's not, it's not ever going to be star Wars or never star Trek. It's, it's not that kind of thing. They could definitely give it more of a mainstream appeal. And we've seen that and it can definitely yield more box office than it maybe has historically in the past, but it's never going to be one of these franchises that will, you know, turn out a yeah. billion dollars worldwide on a picture. That's just yeah. not going to happen. It's just not. Nope. Yeah. And, and, and the, the weird thing there too is the most successful Star Trek movie internationally was uh, 
Into Darkness, right? Which is yeah. one that Star Trek fans really didn't like. Right. And, and right. I, I did not like Into Darkness at all. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're... But even Into Darkness kind of missed the mark. They were expecting more out of that. Oh, really? They are expecting it to do even better than it did. I, I remember reading stuff in the trades that Paramount... Because that, that movie cost nearly $200 million. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Holy cow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they upped the budget. From they the wanted... Yeah. Paramount wanted $600 million for that thing. And, Meg. Holy cow. And, and it missed by a lot. So, you know, Star Trek movies are not... They shouldn't be budgeted that high. They just shouldn't be. No. Um, the, that pressure is crazy. Yeah. And so that leads into something that... that Collider was talking to Holly about, which is like, you know, I think all of us, we're all, you know, I think we all think that it's nice to have, it's nice to have budgets to do things. But for Star Trek fans, I feel like we're more wrapped up in whether the story's any good. Mm-hmm. And like, the spectacle doesn't mean as much to us. I mean, yes, you don't, you don't, you don't want everything on Rinky Dink sets, but at the same time, it doesn't have to be, you know, a set that costs $50 million. You know, like, yeah. it's not. It, it, it's not as important to us. So they were discussing, you know, what is maybe the viability of making a cheaper Star Trek picture, like uh, around 25 to 50 million type of type of deal. And Hawley said, it, you know, he thinks it may be possible, but studios don't really want to make those kind of plays anymore for like yep. a cheap movie because they don't think, all right, so they'll spend 20 million. Maybe we'll get lucky and it'll make 80 to 100 but they don't want that. They're they're in there. They want to push all the chips to the middle of the table, and they want to you know risk everything on a giant return. And Trek is not really that kind of a property. No, nope. so th- it's not kind of caught one. in between. It's yeah. kind of caught in between in that regard. You know, so it's interesting to see where it's going to head next because it's not a cut and dried thing as far as a fe- as a, fe- a future with feature films with Star Trek. No. They're, they're really it's obvious that they're not really sure what to do at this point yeah yeah just, right, and the, the impression just more broadly i get is they're throwing whatever they can up at the wall and they're just praying that something sticks and whatever does that's what they'll go with well, well here's the thing i think it's and this is something that the abrams people ran into is that it's a tricky balancing act because you cannot alienate the fan base completely. no holy cow i mean they can't just say you know what the nerds have, you know, whatever's on CBS All Access, and we're going we're gonna to go over and just do, like, some crazy off-the-wall, you know, Fast and the Furious Star Trek. <laughs> no, no, but serious. But serious. Yeah, well, because no, that's like, what they did with Beyond, right? Yeah, you know, to was, kind sort of. Yeah, a little bit here and there. There was definitely a nod to it with the motorcycle yeah. bit. But, uh-huh, um, yeah. But, like, they, they are not – they're not – going to just throw the entire fan base away and risk alienating them and damaging the brand. So they're yeah, constantly no, they trying can't. to do this. They're trying to do this balancing act. And it's, I think it's very tough. Mm-hmm. And also, and, and to be honest, you know, Star Trek as an, as a brand name has a very nerdy connotation to it. Yeah. I mean, we, we let's face it. <laughs> it is the granddaddy of the nerd franchises. Yeah. Right. And it's interesting. Yep. Star Wars used to, but it was able to share itself of that. Right. Because the prequels were so successful that it basically became mainstream, but uh, Star Wars was always a more it was mainstream, mainstream brand. before that. Yeah, sure, yeah. it was it was more mainstream to begin with. But I don't think Star Trek can ever not be nerdy. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to, to a lot of people, it's just a bunch of nerds wearing weird, you know, costumes and you know, yeah. the guy with the point, the guy with the pointed ears, that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So there's also, but it's true, Matt. I mean, it, that's I chuckle because it's true. I know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's like you know. So I think it's definitely going to be a challenge for them. And going back to what we were talking about, you know, even if you can manage to make a Star Trek movie that does well here in North America. Yep. Going back to what Jared was saying about the worldwide gross. I mean, it's very challenging to get Star Trek movies to perform outside of, of North America. Yeah. Star Trek is like, Star Trek is like a, a four country phenomenon. It's the United States, Canada, the UK and Germany. Yeah. With and I don't apologies, apologies to people who are listening to this all over the world potentially like it, that's not a knock on you but those well, are like basically the, if it's not those English four speaking. are like the key strongholds yeah. for Star Trek and then you See, know and New Zealand and Australia are in there too because they're English speaking right but right sure. but but those are like the four big ones that's where like a, a great deal of Star Trek's business comes from See, oh yeah and I I've never been I mean the thing is there's a lot of Star Trek that I think a lot of the woker fans don't realize is. A uh, very traditional American patriotism, right? I mean, the defining metaphor of Star Trek is that the United States Constitution is being hurled through the sp- through space to share its yeah. awesomeness, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and so I under I understand why it struggles to speak to uh, people from cultures who haven't put a man on the moon, for example, right? Um, because there's so much of that traditional Americanism. Um, Star Trek is very American. Very. I mean, the term wagon train to the stars, that's the ultimate expression of manifest Mm -hmm. destiny right there, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, And all of Star Trek's... yeah, for sure. And a lot of Starfleet's military references are all very American. Very American. Sure. World War II specifically, of course, because who made the show, you know? Exactly. Exactly. The two two genes. It it would be weird if that weren't the case. But I've never been able to figure out why it's so popular in Germany. You know, I've never I don't been able exactly to figure that know out. either, but it is. It super is. Um, That'd be worth examining. Be, yeah. It's, it's a very good question. I even yeah, used to live in I'm, Germany, and I have no idea why it's so popular there. What would it be? Especially with episodes like Patterns of Force or whatever. I would think that well, would those, alienate Germans. No, Patterns I, of Force was banned from there. That's why. Yeah, I was about to oh, say that's that. Why. I think I think Patterns of Force did not air there until like the mid-90s. Right. Oh, that, sound, that sounds correct. It's the same. There's an episode. I could be there's, wrong. There's Memory third, Alpha, I think, has something about it. That, but that we'll sounds. Check that. that sounds yeah. right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know. I know that. I think. Um. You know. I think. Especially though, is the next generation that really took off there. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, they but both of them, but like, I think uh, TNG being more an adult show and being considered less a kiddie show, which unfortunately Star Trek like TOS was sometimes like sold that way overseas you know when it wasn't appropriate to mm-hmm. but i definitely know that uh germany took it pretty seriously especially even uh by the time they got to next gen i remember fondly remember watching german repeats of tng and of course knowing exactly what was going on yeah because because a i spoke a little bit of german anyway but b mostly because hey i know these shows because it was a reap you know it was like a syndicated repeat basically like in the evening and I was like, it was like a season two, you know, TNG episode, and it was probably season four currently, you know, in, in airing. So I told, anyway, I totally knew it, and was just like, well, this is fun, you know, you want to learn, want to learn a language, go watch Star Trek in it, right, and like Charmed. pick it up. Um, and so I have fond memories of that from like the mid '90s, like traveling there, and that's cool. They loved. I mean, it, it was, and it was a lot like being in the U.S. There were, you know, there were syndicated repeats of like TNG almost every weeknight. 
same in Germany, you know, mm. it, it, it was a lot like it. And I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> I think these are people that I can get along with. You know, it's like, I got, <laughs> I got, <laughs> maybe it was something because TNG happened at the same time as the Vita Freinigung in Germany, right after the fall of the Berlin wall. And so that just struck a chord. Really yeah. Well with that's them. A, that, yeah. Could be. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And that's when the show was starting to hit its stride too. So yeah, exactly. Kind of, Yep. Yeah, yeah, in '91, and and I mean the the Spock episode—that's the reunification. They're implicitly yeah. um, connoting the reunification oh, yeah. of Eastern oh, yeah. Germany, definitely. Yep. But the the other aspect I think that made TNG more appealing overseas is Patrick Stewart. Sure, sure. Yeah, you got a British actor. Mm-hmm. I mean that that is definitely a component of of the Abrams films. They made a point of, of making sure that the villains were all overseas stars oh yeah that is true eric eric banna mm-hmm. he's australian Benedict right? ben, ben mm-hmm. cumberbatch, Punk cumberbatch I, yeah. and idris elba yeah all, yeah so like that's a thing i mean as it should be these folks you know you want to it, it gives it a little more of a worldwide feeling and less mm-hmm. of a bottled bottled up Amer- american thing yeah that's true and of course it should be really it's kind of it is kind of weirdly, you know, if you think about it in in universe, it's actually weird that it's so Americanized, right? Like yep, in in yep. theory, in universe, this is supposed to be like a United Earth. That's part of a larger, yeah, sure, you know, yeah, thing. Yeah. So it shouldn't be quite so very American centric, but you know, it is actually, of course, a, a product right. of it American is a pop show. culture. Yeah, <laughs> um, and, but and, it shouldn't and, be. And yet, its so main crazy. hero is Canadian. Correct. Correct. That, that is very true. Two, the the two two of the three leads in yep. fact are Canadian. Yeah. Yep. That's right. So maybe it's just you know U.S. and Canadian. How about sure. That? North North mm-hmm. America. Yeah. And the other thing that I that has been mentioned as mm-hmm. a potential factor for the, the movies maybe even not being necessary is the fact obviously there's now so much Star Trek back on television. Yep. Mm. And it's the feeling that, oh, you know, if the, if the market is saturated with all these Star Trek shows, what do you need another Star Trek feature for? I don't know if I buy into that. No, yeah, I'm not sure. I think there's room for both. I agree. Yeah. I mean, First Contact came out when there were two other Star Trek shows on. That's true. <laughs> right. right. And, you know, the, the original cast did, what, two movies while TNG was on the air? Yeah. yeah. Five and six. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I just, yeah, I don't know if I buy into that. Yeah, I think I, I think it's about how you do it, and it, but yeah. actually, it's funny. I think this dovetails back to like uh, the studio's reticence to do something low budget because uh, if you do that, what separates it from the pretty high budget they're spending on the TV stuff, right? Yeah. So right. they really do That's have true. to kind of shoot for the moon to make it worthwhile, right? To sit like yeah. to stand out. Yeah, Discovery in partic- particular is very expensive. Yeah, yeah. I think it's that. I forget what it is. Last time I think I looked, it was 120 a season, something like that. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I mean, essentially, like the budget that Holly's talking about could be consumed very quickly by what they're spending on Discovery. You know, the the, the yeah. modest budget for a two hour movie. Yep, yep, could be. So, I think in that sense, you can see why the studio would be like, "No, we don't want to spend 30 million." Because it's not going to look any different, you know what I mean. We we literally can't throw enough money at it to right. make it look better than they can do, you know, with modern TV production. Mm-hmm. So you could see that, you know, like okay, yes. yeah, don't want to do that then. Yeah. But, so I mean, that, that leaves them in a kind of an awkward position. It sure does. 
you know, and I know Paramount obviously, you know, the studio is finally licking its wounds after being out in the cold all these years. You yeah. know, the reunific the reunification of uh, Viacom and CBS is probably going to benefit. Is Paramount is going to be one of the things that is that benefits most from it? I think. I hope so. Yeah, but again, their Star Trek is one of these properties that they own and they want to use. <laughs> that they want to use. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, especially since it was stripped away from them so many years ago, and I guess now it's just with this awkward timing. I guess it may take them longer to figure it out than they thought. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting that that bit of news about um, when they, you know, said, "Oh, Holly's thing is kind of like you know put in sort of a deep freeze." Like then the idea of the two Chris's, you know, the Chris crisis that we covered a few years ago, suddenly right. that all came back, and it was like really but that's that's really expensive like i i I get that they need to like really go for it but like we're gonna take that out of mothballs like okay yeah yeah. and the above the line cost there would be enormous oh my goodness yes with the actors i mean that i mean that they're they're, that the i mean that's what sunk it in 2018 is that cost they were just like oh right like right it runs into the same buzzsaw that all these star trek movies eventually run into which is the cast end up soaking up a disproportionate amount of the budget yeah i mean you got the two chrises and of course one of them is definitely like <clears throat> can demand a lot more at this point yeah, yeah. now that he's hemsworth can demand boyfriend. a lot yeah 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 <laughs> well oh, hemsworth no. can, can yeah, yeah. demand he's a way, lot yeah way bigger and, and yeah, so hemsworth can is a star. and so can zoe saldana from all of her right. marvel stuff yeah. i yep, mean yep. so you know it's like well and the other one, like Chris Pine, is technically like the lead, so he gets to flex his muscle there. And so it's like, okay, the two crystals are going to cost a lot of money. Zoe's going to cost a lot of money. I don't know what they're thinking, but apparently they're thinking like, well, maybe this big gamble is worth it again. So Also, Carl Urban is not an insignificant name either. No, no but, but Carl, uh, but I think those guys come in a little cheaper. Partly oh, sure. Cause, partly because they want to do it, I think. Like Simon Pegg yeah, yeah. and Carl Urban would just do it to do it. And you know what I mean? Like <laughs> because they're, yeah. they're they're into it. You know, if their schedule was open, they'd probably just do it. You know. But that but that is another thing where like it's been four years now since Beyond. Beyond was not a big hit. Nope. So you're kind of trying to follow. You're trying to follow up on a movie that didn't really do all that great, and and there's now been a four year gap and. At this point, you have to think of six years between movies and yeah, minimum. Yeah, so it's that I have to figure that that ship is kind of sailed. Yeah, that's why I thought it was weird that they were talking about like bringing it back. Yeah, yeah. I I also just thought that the gap between the 2009 and Into Darkness was too big to begin with. Yes, right? it was. They it lost was. Yeah, so absolutely. much yeah, momentum because J.J. Abrams said, "Hey, I want to make Super Eight. Yeah, and yep. no one and no one told him no. Yep, four year gap is for a, a relaunch of a franchise is way it's too bad. Long. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And in between, and in between those two, the Marvel Cinematic Universe happened, right? Yes, it's yeah, right yeah, around that right. time. Yeah, just like Iron Man was like Iron Man was like oh eight, right? Oh eight. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then yep. It and all then the Avengers was twenty twelve, right? So right. it came out right after the entire way Hollywood looks at trying to make franchises was changed in a way it hadn't been since yep. Star Wars and Jaws. Yep, 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 exactly. Yep, absolutely. 
so I guess we'll. It's they've definitely got a challenge ahead of them. There's no other way to, to say it. Um, it could be a while before we see another Star Trek feature. I guess that's the best way to say it. Yeah. The Tarantino project. I mean, who knows if that'll ever come to pass? Now you want to talk about something that was bonkers? That that was probably way out there. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I I never believed it would actually happen. I knew it was always a long shot. I would love to read it. Oh yeah, yeah. I would be very curious to read. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like they, he was doing some sort of a riff on a piece of the action. So that that would. Well, I'll, along with throwing whoever he thought was good in a blender and you know calling it yeah a cast yeah he, yeah he didn't <laughs> yeah he apparently did not he not interested in all these different timelines he didn't really care about any of that well so yeah he like he just, wanted to work with Shatner so be damned like he was going to work with Shatner you know it's like right, that kind of thing right. right hey it might have worked which you know like I'm not saying that that's a problem but it is pretty crazy you know it's yeah. like let's see hey, you happens. know what I think Tarantino has earned the benefit of the doubt in my opinion he's one of our brilliant filmmakers yeah, it would definitely stand alone though in its own little oh no question <laughs> of stuff. But that's okay. That's oh okay, yeah. Though. No, I agree. It could be fine, but again, yeah. that goes back to the they can't really relaunch the thing that stalled in 2016 with a bonkers kind of <laughs> kind of pocket universe of whatever yeah. you know thing like yeah that should have been a a side you know it's kind of a little sidetrack like as of a booming franchise that. Didn't yeah, happen, I, you know. <laughs> I, if that does not get made, I hope at some point the script gets out so we can read it. Yes. I think it would be fa- it would be a fascinating read, regardless. Yep, agreed. Love to like lay eyes on it. It'd be fun. But you know what, though, you're right. It would be bonkers, and if they are trying to, you know, if this is a, you know all about brand management, yeah, it could be a little bit of a weird project. But I give them credit for at least considering it. And, and putting money toward it. Yeah, they put a little money towards it. Yeah, let's see good. what happens because you know what? It's Quentin Tarantino. He may lead you in a whole direction you hadn't even thought of. Yep, for sure. And so. he, and he's got an inbuilt fan base as him as a notorious right. director that yep. is probably in terms of a Venn diagram is not super close with traditional Star Trek fans. And yeah, so right. right there, you could you could double your viewing public. Yep. Yeah. 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 Oh, I yeah. mean, you see why they, 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 they went for it, for sure. Oh, yeah, the appeal is one of the most famous filmmakers in the world approaches you and says he wants to do a Star Trek project. You you, you have a lunch with him, yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You exactly. take the meeting. You yeah, take, you the take meeting. that meeting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he's a Star Trek fan. He's been quoted many times saying so. There's a couple of allusions to Trek in some of his projects. Oh, of course, yeah. Uh, Kill Bill opens with, the, Klingon, the proverb. Old Klingon proverb, yes, mm-hmm. revenge is a dish that is best. Oh, that's cold. right, it does. I forgot that. Yeah. So he's he's a he's an old school Trek nerd, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's it's very old school. He he he's a TOS guy for sure. Yeah, I mean if he did the movie, it would probably be very TOS in tone. And I'm not just talking like the characters. I mean the tone of it would feel like a sixties television episode well and he probably. likes i mean that's his era he likes that 60s 70s era for sure. pers- personally anyway you know what i mean like yeah yep. so you would you'd have to think it would be i was amazed that he did not sneak trek anywhere into uh once upon a time in hollywood because that movie takes place in the beginning of 69 now granted trek just went off the air but... i was gonna say that's like the low point for it sadly yeah but yeah. you could still sneak it in there somewhere oh i think he should have yeah i agree i'm surprised he didn't there should be a Star Trek poster somewhere or something, you know what I mean? Yeah, something. You know, drive by uh, the old Desilu lot or something like that. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. it wasn't Desilu anymore, but, but you know, that whole vibe, yeah. you know? Yeah. That, you know, that would have been fun. 
But anyway, we digressed. But, you know, that's a cool idea for them. I think, like, if they're going to have to continue forward with a future franchise, they're probably going to have to start getting very clever about how they do it. Yes, agreed. It's obvious whatever they thought they were going to do isn't going to work. So they really do need to get clever. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, luckily for them right now, there's not a lot going on. So there's plenty of time to think about it. (laughs) Yeah. 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 You know, secure some pitches. That's that's you're straining to find a silver lining there for them. But that's kind of you. Yeah. But uh, so who knows? You know. I always keep coming back to Christopher McQuarrie, who's oh, rapping. Yeah, you know, he's trying to. He's in the middle of shooting the final two uh, Mission Impossible's. He's mm-hmm. a big Trek fan. He would be. A, he might be someone that maybe the studio oh, would yeah. go to when he's, he's done. He's expressed interest. The, you yeah, know? when he's finished with Mission, maybe maybe that will be something that they that can approach would be him about. Awesome. I yeah, because he 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 did that pitch, that Federation pitch with him and Brian Singer. He was involved in it, yeah. He was involved in that, and, and Rob Burnett, and I think a couple other people all pitched that. Right, I think right in two thousand six, two thousand seven. Yeah, right like at that. that sort of crucial point where everything was splitting up and reforming. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. So he he's clearly you know had a trick on his mind in the past. So that you know maybe somewhere down the line he can come up with an idea that will that would be sweet. set the world on fire and, and revive yeah. it. But yeah, but. Well, and like Holly's idea is also intriguing. It just probably shouldn't happen as the relaunch right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because like the idea of like a new cast, like you, you who who wouldn't? And it's per, it's cheaper because of that too. Who wouldn't yep. want to see that though? That's the thing. Like I think a lot of people. It's so funny, right? Because there's fans who like totally understand why every you know why they sort of dip back into the TOS well right and mm-hmm. then there are other people who are like what why do they keep doing that you know and so for the fans who keep saying why do they keep doing that well here's the holly project that is kind of another you know side you know bit to the franchise that yep they make that says oh yeah well they didn't you know dip back into the tos recasting well or whatever and that would be nice that'd be refreshing you know yeah i was very excited when i had heard that that they yeah. weren't gonna they weren't gonna just lean into the pre-existing characters because if star trek is going to survive into the future it cannot keep remaking its past over and over over again. and over yeah you know i am you know a huge tos fan since i was six years old and i love it very much but you can't keep tapping into it and i know why they do it for business reasons they there's a yeah. reason why they keep doing oh, it, yeah. but like, but it's not going to, Star Trek is not going to sustain itself just constantly reaching back into the same wells over and over again. Nope. It's not, it's not a coincidence that these, a lot of these shows are either attached to TOS or TNG. Right. Well, and, and I mean, it doesn't, it's not even just the current stuff. Like the, the Calvinverse movies were reaching backwards and Enterprise was reaching backwards, right? Yeah, so, but at least Enterprise was was creating its own set of characters like that. That was a little different. Sure, this stuff. Sure, the stuff that we're watching now is leaning heavily into stuff that we already have seen. Yeah. So, but Discovery is trying to address that obviously with their upcoming season. Yeah, which is uh, a good. It seems like they're trying, making a good try at it. That's for sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know that's way you know if, if Star Trek is going to have a viable future beyond you know it's already existing fan base they're going to have to find new ways of bringing in new folks and and reinvigorating it with fresh blood so that we don't you know we're not going to spend you know huh. the next yeah. 20 or 30 years watching you know three or four different 
iterations of Captain James Kirk. Yeah, we we don't want to be watching Star Trek and think that if my grandmother had wheels, she'd be a wagon. We need fresh minds and young ideas. <laughs> that's right. Very yes, good, Jared. indeed. Thank well you. done, Jared. Um, well, of course, you know, and that's the sort of the the irony about the you know um, feature film versus the TV side is the TV side actually has a lot of ideas to do exactly that. They're coming mm-hmm. up with different ways to keep things fresh. They're coming up with things targeted at different demographics. And they have a rough, like, plan for, you know, like, the all the way out till 2027, we just learned. And so, mm. you know, rough, rough. It's like a rough plan for the next, like, Yes, five. I would say so. Oh, <laughs> look, we know it's rough. Like, but the yeah, whole point is, like, they have a, they do have a plan. And, and they have some ideas about how to keep things fresh and target different audiences. And it's like, okay, so it makes it that much harder for the feature film franchise to do that then. That is true. To, to, it is true. It's like, wow, you guys really need to step it up. I don't know what it is, but you need to figure it out. This also, though, on you know, to hell a devil's advocate for them, um, this is a issue that is much bigger than Star Trek, right? The whole idea of we need a bankable brand because otherwise people aren't going to care about it in the way the media market works now. So we'll just come up with something that people have already seen and yep. try to put a different yep. coat of paint on it, right? Yeah, I mean, right. no one's a bigger MCU fan than me, but gosh, I I didn't care about a third Spider-Man. I just didn't. It's like you, you can't keep doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that what was that five-year period where they were just like, nope, not that Spider-Man. Let's try again. Yeah. It was kind of rough there. And yeah. then the one where yeah. they where they did the best was with the Into the Spider-Verse, which was completely and totally different. So Totally different. Yep. Yeah. Hopefully what people... a wonderful little movie. Wasn't yeah. that delightful? Wasn't it so yeah. pleasant? It's great. Yep. Yeah. So hopefully people will look at that and say, oh, okay, uh, we, we can take uh, old ideas, but update them and make a lot of enough changes that they, they are very, they feel very fresh. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I think Brian, you have another question in our outline that that is a good question that we sort of answered, but maybe we should sort of revisit it. Which is like, could Trek ever be a worldwide phenomenon, and does it need to be? Which are sort of two two very important and different questions. Yes, they are. Yeah. What do you think, Matt? Well, I think like we outlined, you know, in a way it kind of does have to be because of the stakes the studios have on it, right? Like mm-hmm. like they're I mean, they really desperately need, you know, the the whole like into darkness thing, right? Like they desperately needed it to basically happen again and again, right? Like Star Trek, right. you know, two thousand nine was good, uh, spent some pretty darn good money on it, but it made some pretty darn good money. But of course they would love to have made it more. And like we've talked about on this podcast, I think that goodwill from 2009 spilled over to Into Darkness and tons of people went to that. And so, but then it just sort of, you know, stalled out. Um, but it's so important, you know, that they just have to keep that momentum going. And of course, where does, you know, Into Darkness matter? Like, well, that foreign money mattered a lot. And mm-hmm. so I hate to say it, but I think, for the movies like they may need to try and make it a worldwide phenomenon but of course as we just discussed i don't know how you do that because trek isn't really made for that well yeah. and and to i mean then should not it the, be yeah no i don't and think i'm, it I'm not the first person to say this 
It needs to be successful in the United States and China. Those are the two biggest media markets in the world. Well, sure, and... but that's the problem. What, what plays in China is not the same thing. You know? Yeah, if Star no, Wars yeah. can't land in China, how is Star exactly. Trek going to? Star Wars can't even <laughs> make it. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, look at like the uh, the Pacific Rim movies. Those right. did not do great domestically, but Asians love their giant robots, right? Yep. yep. Gang yep. So they yep. just did terrific there. Yep. Um, so I don't know if somebody wants to try Star Trek with giant robots. Oh, but it, that's what if, I was just going to say. So you like mech suits because... Yeah, yeah. yeah. But if they do, <laughs> you heard it here first tonight, and we expect Trek, a Trek movie, expect a piece of that action, right? Right, right. <laughs> James T. Kirk, the kaiju killer, you know? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, I, yeah, that's the problem, right? Is like, they have these high, need, you know, sort of high need of this, like, you know, crazy gangbusters amounts of money spent and then return. So, but should it be, man, I, I don't, I, it's like we said, like, it's not realistic to be that way though. I don't know how they split the difference, but it's just not, mm-hmm. you know, it's not a product that you can just sell everywhere. Sorry. <laughs> so I don't know what the answer is. And I don't envy the executives who are now attempting to find that answer. Let me tell you. No, no. There's no easy answers, but no, but it has literally been the million dollar question for Star Trek for executives at Paramount and CBS for a long, long, time. long time. Yeah. I mean, some of the gaps between, you know, particularly with the TOS movies, the, the, the amount of money that they make overseas is like a pittance. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like like we were discussing before we went on that the wrath of the search for Spock Grossed seventy six million dollars in North America and eleven million dollars overseas. Right, I mean that's sad. The the Voyage Home, which was a huge hit in North America, grossed one hundred nine million. Grossed twenty four million overseas. Wow. Yeah. So. Yeah. So it's yeah it's tough it's tough, and then obviously things picked up the generations you know things that like you said the TNG movies definitely boosted things up a bit but. But even yeah, then, they were. I mean, they're all those movies are very modest in budget compared to right today. Right. There's a reason know. why all there's a reason why the TOS and TNG movies always stayed in a certain budget range because they knew they had to make all their money in the states. Yeah. Mm. So. So anyway, I mean, they were clearly on some kind of path with the Abrams films. Whether they can find a better way of doing it that will get them, you know, more international success, who knows. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how they target a movie that's basically like, "Look, we know this is going to play in the U.S., Canada, you know, the various English-speaking countries, like in you know, in Europe and you know, Australia, New Zealand, and Germany." Yep. And like, and then forecast for that and be okay with it, right? Yeah. Like, just know that that's really where you're going to make your money. Right. Sorry. And that's assuming that the movie's good enough to you know drive that kind of market. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so anyway, this may sound a little bleak, but luckily there is more to Star Trek these days than the movies. Thank goodness. So, so you know what? If it takes them five years to figure out what to do with the movie franchise, so be it. It's okay. There'll be pl- yeah. There'll be pl- exactly. There'll be plenty of Star Trek on TV. Yeah. So, and I mean, it's not like I mean, more people are able to go to the theaters, but not in the U.S. right now. Right. So it's not like okay if they could turn if they could turn something around even like next year, good luck with that. 
they can barely make TV or a movie, even in places that are open for production. They have to be very careful. It takes longer. Yeah. We're not getting anything for a while. You know? No, I don't think so. No. And and remember too, the key to this whole yeah, this thing is more of a key for Paramount Pictures. It's not really a key thing for Star Trek, I don't think. I don't think Star Trek is no, affected I mean, all that much if there's a feature film or not. No, I mean after all, like where was Star Trek the most successful and what did it keep launching? Well, the T V shows and they spun off to movies, not the other way right. around, you know what I mean? Right. Like, right. Yeah. So so anyway, I think the future is perfectly bright for Star Trek, but a bit foggy for the <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Mur- murky indeed. <laughs> yes, indeed. Kind of like the Mutara Nebula. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Oh, oh, you know what we don't need is a third try at a Wrath of Khan redo. Please don't. Oh yes. <laughs> yeah, please. Well, I mean, I mean, everybody seems to point to that. We've talked about this, like with our Nemesis podcast too. That that they thought that sort of a nemesis too. Remember they were, they were like, yeah, Oh, this is our wrath of right. Khan. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And people like to point to that and it's like, no, 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 stop it. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. And you would get these, like, I think they've learned their lesson now, but you get these like, you know, producers and stuff or writers going, yeah, man, you know, we want to make our wrath of Khan. No, no, you don't <laughs> just move on. Star Trek is a lot more than one movie, mm-hmm. but I mean, maybe... yes, everyone loves it, but, <laughs> Maybe they could do a reboot of Khan and just outsource it to some Bollywood studios and just see what they would do, right? That, that would Khan, be fascinating. Khan, Khan's it, supposed though? to be Indian, right? It would. Yeah. He is, yeah. That would be very interesting. I wonder if anything will ever come of that Nicholas Meyer Khan series. Nope. I'm thinking uh, that I, was just no. buried. It's on the shelf somewhere. That's it. Which would also be interesting to read someday. Yes, I would. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is Nicholas Meyer, after all. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, guys, did we cover everything we wanted to cover with this topic today? Uh, I think so. Yeah. All right. little sneak preview for our next show. We are going to do a Halloween-based show Ooh. about our about <laughs> our favorite kind of, you know, haunted Star Trek episodes. Yes. Many of them likely written by Brandon Braga. <laughs> yeah. He was well, he was the man for that, wasn't he? He yep. he's also written more episodes than anyone else, so statistically, I mean, that's just a safe. That is true. Time. So so between the overlap of just the sheer number and him being a horror fan, you're gonna get yep. Braga. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, he has a horror movie out right now. Yeah. Oh, what's horror. it called? Book of Blood. That's it. That's it. It's a Netflix thing, isn't it? Hulu. Hulu. I'm Man, if you're gonna throw the guy a bone, let's let's pitch it. Let, yeah, let's let's, get it let's right. do it properly here. <laughs> yeah, books of blood. Books of blood. That's right. It's a Clive Barker project. So yep. that's kind of yeah, cool. I, we'll have to do a podcast about Mr. Braga one day because I think he's a very he's interesting gotten, chap. Yeah, and he's gotten. I think he's gotten a bad rap myself. Totally. Oh, yeah. Totally. Oh, yeah. Poor guy. Yeah, he's got a lot of irons in the fire. This he just did this. He. He just finished the season of Cosmos earlier mm-hmm. this year. And by the way, I, I, I've talked to the guys here at Trick Movie about this, but to you at home, if you guys have not watched Cosmos, the, the, the two new seasons that have been out over the past few years, I, I cannot recommend them enough. Star Trek fans will delight in them. They yeah, have a nice, yeah. there's a very Trekish tone to it. Oh, okay. So I would, I'll have to check that out. I would highly recommend that. He's very, very, very talented guy. And he he did a lot more good for Star Trek than bad, in my opinion. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. no question. So anyway, we're going to be doing the horror show next. Some of them choices we'll make are probably pretty obvious, but uh, you'll have to tune in to find out exactly what we picked. You mean Cat's Paw is, is obvious? <laughs> <laughs> I believe it's the only Star Trek episode that deliberately is themed? Halloween based. Yeah, yeah it's like yeah, and themed. So. Yeah, that's true. I think it is the only themed show. I think it is, Cause, yeah, yeah. Because there's no like Christmas episode, there's no Fourth of July episode. There's no, no Arbor no, Day episode. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Arbor Day. With F- with Keiko, every day is Arbor Day. <laughs> 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 and on that note <laughs> alright everybody we'll see you guys soon and once again don't forget to tune in to All Access Star Trek Podcast later this week yes indeed alright guys good talking to you and we will see you very soon bye Take care. bye guys <laughs>